Hello, and welcome to another episode of DC Crisis Adventures. I'm your host, James Santana. I'll be rating, reviewing, and breaking down each Crisis event in chronological order from Crisis on Infinite Earths to Dark Crisis. Today, we will be covering Zero Hour. If you didn't listen to episode 1, where that breaks down the criteria of why each book was chosen, go back and check it in case you're looking for things like Identity Crisis or Heroes in Crisis being on this list. I'm sorry, but they won't be. So go back to episode 2 and check that out and kind of give that a quick listen. Especially if you're going to be following along, it's better to listen to this series in chronological order. So every episode starts off with real-world background stuff that caused this book to really exist. So, Zero Hour was written as a two kind of prong attack. One, it was considered a sequel to Armageddon 2001, which I will get into in a little bit, and also a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. So I'll talk about that first, being that that's the main uh, topic, the main stuff we talk about in the series. So as a sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths, that only came about because of the merging of worlds that happened at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths. It kind of jumbled up continuity for characters. As I explained in episode 2, now that the Earth was merged into one, all these continuities had to fit almost cleanly. That being said, you lost things like the history of characters like Hawkman, for example, who already had kind of a complicated history because he was a reincarnating alien soldier, or sometimes he was just Prince Khufu, uh, sometimes he's just Carter Hall, and then they kind of all mashed it all together to make what will be Hawkman going forward. We'll talk about that when we talk about Zero Hour a little bit more. Also, you had other characters that kind of didn't make sense, where you had kind of storylines they were starting and stopping that got jumbled up with the merging of this new Earth. So, Zero Hour was a way to kind of fix the continuity errors created by Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was created to fix the continuity errors from DC Comics as a whole. This will become a running theme throughout all the Crisis event books we talk about. I'll jump into the, uh, the other book now that I referenced before, Armageddon 2001. In reality, this is actually more of a closely se- sequel to Armageddon 2001. Almost, it, it follows exactly how Armageddon 2001 leads off. So, quick reference, Armageddon 2001 is a story that was written and created to create a big kind of event that wasn't a crisis, first of all. That's why we're not covering it on this show. But, Armageddon 2001 shows the villain known as Monarch going back in time to conquer the world. Um, he's being chased down by a character named Matt, Matt Ryder, slash, aka the hero Wave Rider. If you know the name Wave Rider, you might know it from the show DC Legends of Tomorrow. Matt and Monarch have a big battle. There's a big controversy around the ending of Armageddon 2001, which was originally supposed to be revealed that Monarch was the hero Captain, Captain Adam. But fans figured that out early, and DC kind of did a quick heel turn and made the villain Hawk from Hawk and Dove. Which, really weird, very controversial. If I ever cover, like, just DC events in total, I will cover Armageddon in 2001 in a bigger sense. But since we're not doing that here, it kind of sets up this weird story. So, at the end of Armageddon 2001, it's revealed that the villain Monarch is Hawk of Hawk and Dove, and then because he came back in time, he killed Dove, which then creates Hawk to get mad, which would then lead to the birth of Monarch, kind of closing his own grandfather paradox story. With that being said, this opens up with Monarch being captured by Rip Hunter and Wave Rider. 
So it is a little bit confusing. That's why I will, when I get into the big stuff about the book and my rants and my reviews, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that's the real world stuff. They created this really for the sole fact that he wanted this kind of cleanup of the DC universe because it is really weird. You have characters that were removed from time because of the the crisis event. There is a big problem when it came to how some of these stories fit in. It doesn't make sense when you have like, oh, just society exists, but they also are not the characters that we knew prior to this. It was a whole jumble up mess. Anyway, in the real world, this book was created by Dan Jorgens and Jerry Aldway, and it was created and published in September of 1994. It was only five issues, not counting spinoffs. So for clear reference and transparency, I do have listed in the show notes which version of the book I will be using and referencing uh, for the episode, which is the 1995 trade paperback version, which includes showcases uh, numbers 98 and 99. I'm sorry, showcase 94, 8, and 9, along with 4 through 0. It was it counted down backwards to be clever. So there, this is the fun part. I'm about to jump into the book itself, so bear with me because this book is going to be very weird to break down fully. I will not be talking about things that happened in comics prior to it because every book I wanted to talk about as a clean, this is jumping into it as I've never read it before, trying to explain it to people that, that want to read DC stuff. So with this being said, this book does get complicated. It gets weird. I will talk about more about it in my my review and ranking. If you do follow me on social media, you kind of saw this a couple of months ago when I did break it down for a, kind of a small summer fun thing I was trying to do. But this is the full breakdown of Zero Hour. So let's jump into this with Zero Hour, not even Zero Hour, Showcase nine, 94, numbers 8 and 9. Showcase 80, eight, Showcase 94, 8, and I keep saying 89. Uh, showcase number 8, it's written by Dan Jurgens, which makes sense because he did write the actual book for Zero Hour. It opens with Wave Rider and Rip Hunter, who Rip Hunter now looks like Cable. Intentionally, he does look like Cable. It was meant for DC to parody and pache Cable from Marvel Comics. Uh, Wave Rider, if you think about it, is also like Silver Surfer, but in terms of time, and time, not space. You'll figure that he has space powers now in this book, too. Also, as a reference point, the main characters for these books will be Rip Hunter and Wave Rider. The, and the main villain in the book will be Mono. It's kind of pretentious about what happens at the end, and I will get to it as I break down the series. Because this isn't as big as Curse on Infinite Earths, I will pretty much be breaking this down from start to finish. Wave Rider and Rip are talking about what happened in Armageddon 2001, which is really good. I kind of like how this works in this book, and, and again, I try not to, I'm trying not to do my review as it go on, but... It's to be said, I like this first. And that's kind of where my love of this book kind of drops off. And I will get to that in my rating. So Matt and Rip are going over what happened in Armageddon 2001 and the birth of the Monarch. You see Monarch being captured by them, which was at the end of Armageddon 2001. You then have him escaping, maybe, sort of, and kind of trying to hunt down uh, Wave Rider to steal his powers. That's kind of a piece of the issue. Showcase uh, 94, 8, and 9 are anthology series. So it's a small piece of the issue in each part. The next story is issue 9 from Showcase 94. Monarch has captured Rip and Matt 
and has tried now has broken down um, the time travel device on Rip's arm, which causes him to time travel. Because of that, Matt wants to merge. Matt tries to override Monarch and and merge with him and override his suit. In turn, he then is able to take all this chronal energy and merge with a future to create his future self, which is now extant. So this is the weird stuff. It's a merging of his future and past selves as Hawk and as Hawk mixed with Dove, and that's why his suit looks like a merging of Hawk and Dove suit, which looks really cool. Monarch becomes a villain extant, but Monarch also is a character on his own. If you follow like any DC time stuff. Monarch and Xana are two separate characters, but also the same character. Think Kang from Marvel, but way more complicated. Now that he has become extant, he is now wants to take over the entire world. Ending with the quote from Matt Ryder, the Wave Rider, quote, If true, we stand on the verge of a true crisis. Of course, the word crisis means it's about to go down, and we jump into the opening of Zero Hour. Zero Hour, like I said, is Countdown Backwards, so this is issue four of Zero Hour. Jumping into the distant future, quote-unquote, 32 hours ago. It's 32 hours from present time at the moment in 1994. You see the fall of the Time Trapper. I'm going to say this first. This book is very confusing on full read. It was confusing on reread. It is a cool book, but it's going to get weird as we go on. Because this goes backwards in time and forward in time, you'll see how the book breaks down. As the Time Trapper is destroyed by a mysterious enemy that watches on as as Xtet kills him, you get the quote, the countdown has begun to zero hour. This is where you see it's written by Jerry, uh, written by Dan Jer- Jurgens and art by Jerry Orway. Both Dan Jurgens and Jerry Orway both do the uh, art on this book. You find out that Darkseid is meeting with Metatron as he explains, hey, the world is going to hell and this weird this time travel thing's happening. We need your help. You then cut to Gotham City as Batgirl is fighting the Joker. It's weird because Batgirl at this point is paralyzed. This is well after the Killing Joke. This is well after Crush on Infinite Earths. So she is paralyzed. They don't know who this is. It's Batman and Robin, which is Bruce Wayne and Tim Drake at the time. Tim Drake is the Robin of this uh, at this period. They don't know who this girl is. They they know what that's Batgirl. That's Barbara's suit. They don't realize it's Babs. This is Babs as she's been put into the universe because of time shenanigans that have been happening. You then see her Joker escape. Joker's kind of like, this Joker version of Joker is just very criminalized, whatever. And then you see a quick glance at someone on a rooftop, and it happens to be Jason Todd. This is where the book kind of goes, starts to go off the hinges. You jump to the vanishing point where the Time Masters are all gathered. Matt Ryder is talking to another version of Matt Ryder, one who's not the Wave Rider, about how he's watching time kind of go white backwards. You have Wally West fighting Abracadabra, who is a flash villain at the time in the, the 64th century. Again, very much a lot of time travel happening. This is where Matt comes up with the idea that you need Flash to stop this kind of entropy from happening. Because Flash is able to run super fast and vibrate in time uh, time travel with the speed, this is where we get the start of every Flash dies in every crisis event. We got it in the first one, it could have been a one-off. Now we have this the second time it's set up as Flash is killed by running through the entropy wave and dies. The 
Future Earth dies and the entropy wave continues to fly backwards in time. We have a big scene where Matt is carrying Wally West's flash suit with Rip Hunter at his side. We then jump to Superman in and Batman in Metropolis and they talk about some time anomalies and they call it a quote-unquote not a time anomaly, a cosmic crisis, quoted by Metatron. Metatron tasks them with the idea that, hey, we need to start gathering heroes here on Earth in time, while he doesn't tell them that Rip Hunter and Matt Ryder, Wave Rider, are looking for heroes in the past, and they're trying to go each step in time, they went to the, the end of it and going backwards to stop the wave of entry from happening. They run into Hal Jordan Green Lantern, which at this point, Hal Jordan is not Green Lantern in the main continuity. Hal Jordan is Parallax at this time. This is well after Emerald Twilight. Emerald Twilight is a story we might cover on another show or something like that. But in, in reference, it is post-Dawn uh, Reign of Superman, post-Emerald Twilight, which is Hal Jordan watching Coast City get explode, uh, destroyed by Mongol, and then him being corrupted by the power of all the ring because he wants to rebuild Coast City. The Guardians tell him no. He goes off, kills a bunch of Green Lanterns, and then in turn becomes a villain Parallax. He comes back uh, to Earth and tries to be and, and becomes a bad guy pretty much. So with that, they end up watching time kind of like bleed, and they are watching anomalies, more anomalies happen. This is where something I referenced before about which is a Hawkman. Hawkman is fighting on Earth in St. Laurent, which is the home city in Louisiana for Hawkman, and you see him multiply into different versions of himself, all at once, all standing in the same spots. You meet a whole other character known as the Immortal. Also, I think he is a version of Dr. Occult, but I have to double check that. While you have, oh, sorry, the Green Lantern at the time is not Guy Gardner. I thought it was Guy Gardner. It's actually Kyle Rayner. My excuse. My, uh, my apologies. As you have Superman gathering all these heroes, he explains to the world with the help of uh, Kyle Rayner, and it tells everyone, like, hey, we all need to meet. Bad stuff's happening. The, the, the universe is dying. Please remember, none of the characters, except for a very small handful, remember Crisis on Infinite Earths. At this period in 1994, the only characters that still remember Crisis on Infinite Earths are going to be characters like the New Gods, the the Time Masters and godlike beings like Spectre. You have Psycho Pirate, but like I said in the second episode, Psycho Pirate is the oh I know everything forever because he's gone mad with this and no one else believes in that this has happened before. So because it's a like oh universe is dying, everyone just thinks it's a big event. So as that happens, Metatron goes to get the Spectre. Spectre has no host at this point. So at the end of Crossroads on Infinite Earth. We saw that Spectre has gained a godlike ability, like he should have always had, because he's God Spirit of Vengeance. Again, think Ghost Rider, but on a grand scale. Because of that, what has happened now that Spectre has become hostless, he kind of doesn't care about people and life and society. He's just there to do all the vengeance of, of God, so he's kind of fruitless, because he helped mitigate the ending of the first crisis. Metatron thought he can have him help here. It doesn't work. You have at the vanishing point Matt trying to look up the history of of crisis, what the word crisis means, because everyone's going, oh, what's a crisis event? And he sees the first crisis happen. He now knows what happened. All the heroes on Earth gather and they realize that there is something wrong as time and certain people are getting erased now. Really weird, you see Vandal Savage, who is an enemy of society, 
because he's from the original Earth 2 stories, being kind of like deleted in front of the Justice Society. The Justice Society also knows that there's something going on as Matt Ryder shows up with the suit of the Flash. The problem is with this, he he knows that how Barry died. He remembers that Barry died. Uh, now that Wally is dead, he has a quote, while the young keep dying. He doesn't understand why these young heroes keep dying at the sacrifice of everything else, because he is the first Flash. That being said, in the background, Accent is hunting down time travelers to get them out of his way, meeting getting to the vanishing point and stopping them. The Justice Society gathers on their own. Uh, with the help of Dr. Fate, they decide to go to the vanishing point. But because of their weird chronal anomalies, Hawkman and Hawkwoman, because not Hawkgirl at this point anymore, has separately disappeared with, with Wave Rider. Metatron and Superman have teamed up and they are trying to recruit Impulse. Impulse is the grandson of Barry Allen from the future who is now time displaced here. He is one of those anomalies. Other anomalies that seem to appear are things like dinosaurs walking into the earth, you have mysterious heroes showing up, you have people phasing in and out of time, you also now have, at the end of the time stream, you have the Time Trapper, who's then revealed to be Legion of Superheroes leader, Cosmic Boy, but older, in a farther future. To be said, the Time Trapper has multiple origins as time goes on, so this is just one of them, so don't be hung up with that, the Time Trapper is a thing. He was supposed to be a thing, he's not a thing. You have the team of the Justice League of America at this time, which is Bruce Gold in his weird metallic armor, Blue Beetle, it's the Bwahaha era of the Justice League of America, run by Maximal Lord. As the heroes gather in Metropolis, you see a gaggle of heroes, notably some of the ones I want to point out to everyone are uh, Despero, who was a bad guy, who then became a good guy. You have Guy Gardner, who's not Green Lantern anymore, but he's known as a character known as Warrior. You have Alpha Centaurian, who's a new character who happens to be time displaced from an alternate metropolis. You have Triumph, leading Justice League of America, who, again, also another character that was time displaced, who showed up randomly. You have Batgirl, who also, again, time displaced from a different era. And the Legion of Superheroes now functioning in the modern era from the 31st century. These are all reasons why the retcons needed to happen from Zero Hour. As that happens, the Justice Society shows up at the vanishing point while Wave Rider, Hawkman, and Hawkwoman are in a separate era. And they go over the fact that, like, hey, you are multiple characters that have been through time and blah, blah, blah. All the fun, timey, why me shenanigans. Very Doctor Who of them. Because they're at this weird point in time, they then merge. All of all versions of Hawkman merge into a new being. They don't give him a name in the book, but I know he's referenced as the Hawk God. And it's a mixing of currently Hawkman, Hawkwoman, and the Hawk God that they are their timeline starts from. It's really cool to see it. It's awesome on panel. It just doesn't go anywhere in the book. Well, in the future, not even in the future, sorry, we're at Legion headquarters. So Legion. There's Legion Superiors and Legion. Legion is led by Brainiac 2, the son, uh, the son of, no, it's not Brainiac 2, sorry, Brainiac 3, grandson of Brainiac. They're kind of just like hitmen. It's what become the Omega Men become. While you have the new gods trying to figure out what's going on. Back in Metropolis, you have the Gathering of Heroes as Matt Ryder shows up with the new embodiment of Hawkman together with Metatron. They then go, hey, this is, it's it's all falling apart. 
while Extant is fighting the Just Society at the vanishing point, you see that this is where you see the first actual deaths that occur that are not due to the entropy wave. Just like the entropy wave is an homage to the white wave of antimatter in the original Crisis, this is the entropy wave of the end of time. This is where you see the death of Al Pratt the Atom. Later on, damage his grandson takes up the, the mantle, aka Nucleon or Atom Smasher. Uh, we saw them in the Society movie. You have the dissembling of Dr. Fate from Kent Nelson, where the Helm of Fate, the Cloak of Fate, and the Amulet of Naboo are all tossed aside through time and space. You have the D8, the sorry, rapid aging of Sandman, Wesley Dodds, and Ted Grant the Wildcat. As they kind of just die in this fight, the only one kind of unaffected by all this is Alan Scott. Alan Scott was the first Green Lantern. Now, with all the Tommy Wyman nonsense that's happened, not only in Zero Hour, but with Crash on Infinite Earth, he still, he was Green Lantern, gave up the mantle Green Lantern, and took the name Sentinel after it's revealed that his ring is not based on willpower, but based on the magical element uh, known as the Starheart. So, he is now the superhero known as the Sentinel, and he is unaffected and he's magic-based now. The only heroes that are kind of left are Our Man, Dr. Midnight, Sentinel, slash Green Lantern, as they are then rapidly aged also. Back in Metropolis, we start seeing the world start to fade away as the crisis, this now new crisis, is starting to merge timelines. So you watch the fade in and fade out. Again, like I said, this is going to be a trope through this series. It is revealed once the mask is taken off at Estant, back at the battle of the society versus Extant, it's real that Matt Rider, the Wave Rider, is actually Extant. This is where I continuously say this book goes off the rails. It makes no sense to make the reveal that Extant is... Wave Rider or a future version of Wave Rider, if we know that he is not a future version of Wave Rider, if he's really Hawk, who's really Monarch, it's a whole mess, messy, messy book. We then continue on as Alan Scott takes the surviving members, really, which is just Flash, away, and you have Wave Rider and Essent about to fight, but it doesn't work as he also has Wave Rider's powers. He defeats the Wave Rider, throws them in back, and then you find out Essent has assembled secretly during some period of time, because he is a time traveler, has assembled a team of villains of his own, his own army, at the vanishing point. So, let me break down the vanishing point real quick. The vanishing point is a point in time that's not affected by anything. Whether crisis events or the deletion of the universe, it is a forever piece of, of the universe. Later on, I know we'll talk about this in Multiversity, we'll get to the guidebook map, but... It is a point outside of time and space where they just kind of, time travelers can gather, or heroes can gather, just for mega events, or it's kind of like a library and a base, a base of operations for the Time Masters, it is a base of operations for Rip Hunter in the New 52, and Pre-52, and, and Post-Zero Hour, it is a, it's the base for the Booster Gold series. It's just a, a, a point in time and space that's not at the end of time. It's just kind of outside doing its own thing. So as his army gathers, we have the remaining army of Superman left. And why I say remaining army is because a lot of stuff does not happen in the actual event book. And I will talk about this later on. As you have Booster Gold, Argent, Metatron, The Ray, Superman, Captain Adam, Donna Troy, who took up the name Darkstar at this point, Lightning Lad, 
Batman, Batgirl, Time to Space Barber, Despero, former villain, now a member of the society, and the new Hawk God. Trying to figure out why this 31st century metropolis has, or sorry, yeah, 25th century, because timelines change as history has gone on, is merging with the present New York City. They are able to stop the merging from happening, but with that being said, the Justice Society show up and all these dead old men appear. It's really sad, but it's the ending of the society in continuity, but also it's a setup for certain other characters. So the characters that do die in this are Wildcat Ted Grant, Sandman Wesley Dodds, Dr. Midnight. Dr. Fate is just disintegrated and his weapons are all over the place. The Atom and Our Man. That being said, oh, and the retirement of Starman. That being said, this will set up the kind of new class of, of Justice Society legacy characters. Technically, Yolanda, who is a character that first appears in Crisis on Infinite Earths after Ted Grant got hurt during the first crisis, is his legacy character, but she's not in this event, which is weird. But this is a setup for Adam Smasher to show up. This is this, the setup for Fate, a kind of dark version of Dr. Fate to show up. This is the setup for Yolanda to become a bigger role. This is set up for Jack Knight, the son of Starman, to show up. That's, this leads into the James Robinson award-winning acclaimed run of the book Starman. As the rest of the heroes do this, there is a kind of breakdown of legacy as Green Lantern gives up the name and goes, hey, you're the only Green Lantern to Kyle Rayner. And Jay Garrick gives up the mantle of Flash, not to impulse, but he just gives up being Flash. It's very much the Peter Parker giving up his his suit and powers to everything. This kind of sets a ripple to everyone. The because of the heroes that we see in the modern age respect and recognize the JSA not only as they're the first team, because in continuity they are still the first team of the universe, they also kind of see that the fact that like that they, they've given up, we have a big problem. If the JSA lost, you know, this can happen to us. That's a quote from Superboy Connor Kent in this. We then jump forward in time. This is where this book starts continually to get messy. It's a, uh, a series of cutscenes that begin to happen. You have the heroes that have gathered show up in the 30th century, because now they can time travel back to the 30th century, which was the whole problem that the Legion was facing. But now they realize that time is flowing backwards, even in the 30th century. You then have an army of Team Titans show up. So... The Teen Titans. Teen Titans are a time-displaced team of Teen Titans that are from an alternate future where Raven was a bad, uh, bad guy and she won. And this team was formed by Bloodwing, a.k.a. Nightwing, which is not Dick Grayson. It's weird. Then they go back in time to stop her from becoming a bad guy type of thing. They are now part of the army created by Extant. You have the Immortal, which is this weird character that if you don't weren't reading comics at the time... It doesn't make sense. He's just kind of there. The Immortal is also known as Gotham Mist. It doesn't make any sense. Regardless, while everything is happening in the 31st, 30th century, you have Jay and Green Lantern trying to convince Spectre to become a hero and help them. At the same time, you have Power Girl who is pregnant with a... She's, Power Girl's continuity was changed post-crisis, and she was now made an Atlantean and magic-based. Quote unquote. But she had all her Kryptonian powers. They just said it was like, oh, she's special in magic, and that's why. So she's no longer Kryptonian. But she really is. It's just weird. So back at the vanishing point, while Excess Army is out, the Time Masters are all captured, and he wants to kind of bleed the universe dry. Everyone watches this as two teams, one in now in the past and one in the future, try to stop what's happening. Time is 
being ended at both ends, kind of like a big crunch, heading towards the present. You have heroes versus all these villains. You have Matt Ryder dying, which is a big toss-up to their t their plans. With Extant killing not only X-Wave Rider, he then gains the ability of time travel and, and more time manipulation, which is the reason why you saw him earlier with the face of Matt Ryder. Again, time travel shenanigans are stupid. You have the world vanishing, and you have, in the distant past, you have the Green Lantern ring fall off of Kyle Rayner's hand and be picked up by a mysterious hand that shows up off-panel. That's the same mysterious hand you saw at issue zero as he watched the Time Trapper be destroyed. Time also is being crunched in the 30th century, and the heroes are completely losing as the 31st century becomes nothing. The heroes, to survive, meet up with the Time Trapper. Who is, again, at this point, a adult version of Cosmic Man. That's why they have to trust him, even though there's a kid version of Cosmic Boy around. Again, time travel is a thing. You find out how the warrior, Guy Garner, it's a weird name, but he's the warrior now, like I said before, uses his abilities. He throws his alien tech, but it's very similar to the Green Lantern's abilities. He's able to get concepts from this bio suit he wears. It's also revealed he's also part alien. Ignore that part. It will never come up ever again. Extant shows up. He pieces out because he just wants to mock them. And the worlds are bleeding and time is ending. And you see the mysterious figure standing in the 31st century with the Green Lantern ring. And he just like drops the ring and breaks it so that another Green Lantern can't arrive. Again, really weird. Very confusing. Now we just jump through time. This is where I get confused and lost in this book. Time is, you just jump, you can just continually jump through time from this book. You have the warrior trying to save Steel, and Steel dies. And you have the Legion of Superheroes, the young versions, with their old versions, with Time Trapper, just happens to be at the end of time, in a pocket Earth in the 31st century. And then that world bleeds and dies. And then you go back to the opening of the book, where Time Trapper was killed, but he was killed by a mysterious green beam, and that world bleeds in. While all this is going on, you have Power Girl who's going into labor. Booster Gold and Impulse are wiped away from history because the 31st century being destroyed means they no longer exist. You have Jay Garrick trying to recruit the Spectre. This has been going on for issues, and it doesn't work because he's now hostless. You jump to heroes appearing and disappearing from Vanishing Point, and you find out, like, they have all the Time Masters trapped, and they free them. And like I said before, with Starman retiring, you see the exact setup where Starman becomes Jake, uh, Jake Knight, or his, actually, his brother becoming Starman. At that point, the world starts to fade away, and Exant shows up at the Chamber of the Layman. Remember I talked about Dr. Mist, like, five minutes ago, or five seconds ago? That's This is the whole build-up to this behind-the-scenes guy trying to fix time. They all die. It's really a weird moment. Batman is then killed by Extant as Extant is popping in and out of time. We then get to this weird part in time where it's Triumph, Elongated Man, Green Arrow, and Batgirl fighting against Extant. Extant is then killed by Wave Rider, who is just here. He just reappears. There is nothing that happens in this book that's explained like his reappearance at all. Okay? And you will hear me get seriously frustrated with this book. You have Adam fighting against them as he tries to help defeat Extant, but he is 
shrunk down and de-aged to her child. This leads into the Adam becoming a member of Teen Titans later on. At the end of time, you find out that Extant is there, but also Parallax is here. For reasons. Again, just for reasons. Parallax has just shown up. This is the fi- I'm in the final issue already. Parallax is here, and he's punched Superman in the face. Extant and Wave Rider are here, and that's all of this. They are at this weird point in time called the Zero Hour where time can be easily manipulated as clean slate. Quote, Parallax. It's gone so wrong. All those people, co-city. The universe needs a protector, a real guardian to right these wrongs. The universe needs me. Time for a new start, a clean slate, a reimagined universe, my universe. Who knows? Maybe one universe, one world won't be enough. The book goes white for many, many pages as the Zero Hour almost finishes and it's a buildup very reminiscent of the pages going white in the original Crisis book, which this is a complete homage for. He's going to rebuild the world as he wants it and kind of alluding that he's rebuilding the multiverse. This would fix certain things like Alpha Centurion and the JSA and Batgirl and the illusion of Jason Todd showing up. But it's Parallax doing all, so you can't be trusted. You have the heroes that were time displaced showing up and teaming up with Parallax as a new team, while the other heroes kind of dip out and go, well, we're against all this. All of a sudden, Damage shows up, who is a kid who has the same, like, has these explosive powers. He is, he's not. He's known as Damage now. He later becomes Adam Smasher. No, sorry. He's Nucleon, not Adam Smasher. He is just a kid that has powers. You don't realize this connection in this book to the Adam until way later on. The time displaced heroes like Batgirl and Alpha Centurion team up with Parallax. Guy Gardner kind of agrees with him because he does see the fault of what led Hal Jordan to become this. And he trusts Hal because he knows Hal. So that's a big problem in this book because he's a bad guy. Then you have Wave Rider showing up, which is weird because he was already there. And Exet says, quote, Wave Rider alive, even though he was there when it ha- when he died and reappeared. Going forward, a new team of heroes shows up, which includes Donna Troy, Darkstar, Hawkman as the Hawk God, The Ray, Captain Adam, Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, Green Arrow, Damage, Superman, and Wave Rider. All characters that were there at the end as he was already rebuilding the universe. I don't know why this happens in this book. Parallax explains to everyone, hey, I'm going to rebuild the universe. And he's being attacked by these other heroes while he tells them, hey, his own mini army, go defend me. It doesn't work. And Guy Gardner betrays Parallax and Extant. And then finally... The Spectre shows up. The character that could stop this since the start. He shackles Parallax as the two of them go to fight. Barbara Gordon shows up and she explains, hey, maybe we shouldn't trust Parallax. This is the this can't end well. Barbara Gordon then fights and throws her batarang. She knows this is all wrong. You have characters, you have everyone fighting against now Parallax, which is weird. Parallax is the bad guy. Remember, this entire story has been about Extant. Parallax is now just the bad guy. With all the heroes fighting against Parallax, Wave Rider and Damage team up to try to stop him. It doesn't work. Batgirls then is sacrificed. And why I say sacrificed, she kind of jumps in the way of a blast of damage as him and Wave Rider teaming up to like do a mega team up blast against Parallax. Very anime. Green Arrow takes this as the sign that he shouldn't trust Parallax and goes to shoot. And he does kind of kill quote unquote Parallax 
as hitting him in the center of the chest with an arrow kills him. Damage and Wave Rider now create a new Big Bang and reset the entirety of the universe. We don't know the true cause at this time as the heroes were in a bubble of chronal energy, but certain characters now start fading away. You have Alpha Centaurian disappearing, Batgirl disappears, and the timeline starts to be rebuilt. The heroes at the birth of the universe watch as time unfolds from 200 million years ago to uh, 10,000 years ago and so on. You watch Atlantis being born, you watch Egypt being born, you see the, the Blue Beetle Scarab for the first time. In this book, you see all these histories that we kind of know of what is the current, not current, but the then current DC Universe forming. And it's set up for certain storylines, like the hunt, the Primal Huntsman, which was a thing that DC did later on. Hal is revealed to not be dead because he's just a G. And Parallax fades from time as they try to save Kyle Rayner from dying. Then, at the end of all this, the heroes come back out of time. Time is just right, quote-unquote. But the armor, certain things have happened, like Guy Garner... His armor has merged into himself. This is where you get to see him fully being an alien, new weirdo character. The 90s were really weird. Power Girl has given birth to a baby. And Ollie has decided that he is no longer Green Arrow. Because Hal Jordan is a monster. Meaning that his entire dream and everything he thought was being a hero was righteous and, and stuff didn't happen. Then the time traveler goes back to his point in time. And looks onto the universe, and that is the ending of Zero Hour. The final finale of the book gives you a breakdown of uh, the complete timeline from 15 billion years ago to today, at that point, which includes everything that was like in what what, what is the new continuity. So, if I sound distressed or annoyed, it's because I am. So, let me get into my review, and and this isn't going to be like one of my best ones, but to be honest, this book isn't great. It may be things like the way the book, this trade paperback was formatted, where there is no like dividing, it just flows through the story. Or maybe it's because this book only has the main story, which should be the best thing that you have. The problem with the book itself and this and the storytelling method is that it's time travel. Time travel is not easy to get done. It's really hard to write properly, but. It can be done. We've seen it in other media. The problem with the story is that you need all the tie-ins for this story to make sense. And I hate that. You need the background of Armageddon 2001 for this to make sense. You need the background of Reign of the Superman and, and Emerald Knight to, for this to make sense. Emerald Twilight to make that sense. It, this is bad. It, it's bad. It doesn't make sense. It's too many jump cuts. There's a scene in this book, and I'll, I'll find the exact quote. I want to quote this to you, listeners, because it, it, it seems so weird, right? Quote, I knew things were bad, but seeing my parents from an alternate timeline, nearly identical to our own, has made me realize how chaotic things really are. That line makes zero sense because you never see that happen in the book. You never see the references they make happen in this story. There's a line about, oh, pe Batman talks about a line from people from the passion realm, which we see, the Batgirl thing. And it's alluded to that Jason Todd's there. By the way, none of this is resolved. You don't see it resolved in this book. This could have easily been a 12-issue series, and a lot of the stuff that got the heroes to join up together should be seen on panel in this main book. To be fair, this was... 
as a crossover, this was covering every single DC book for that year, which they called, they dubbed Zero Month. Every book would have an issue zero, and in turn be a tie-in to DC Crisis, uh, Zero Hour. The problem with that is, those books are hard to get, and they are only collected in an omnibus if you want to read them all, or you go onto the DC app. And the DC app doesn't have all of them to read. So as a read, this is hard to read because there's so much stuff they talk about that doesn't make sense to the story. The fact that you see characters on panel, whether that was an editorial thing in real life that somebody just missed, the scene that the the fact that the scene is at the end, towards the end, sorry, is Extant, Wave Rider, Parallax, and a bunch of heroes at the end of time. And then an issue later, them showing up again and Extant talking about, oh, they're alive. What happened? How did they leave? They didn't leave. You never saw them teleport or disappear or anything and show back up. He was there standing next to him. It boggles my mind. There's so many jump cuts. And that's why if you're listening to the breakdown of this book, it seems choppy and weird because it is choppy and weird. I've already read other Crisis books well before reading this. I This is my third for this recording, then my third read-through on this book. And it has, it has only gotten worse as I've read this book. I will never say that Dan Jurgens is a terrible writer or terrible artist. I do think Zero Hour was needed to clean up certain things, like the Hawkman history and the JSA and all the weird stuff with Power Girl. But you didn't need it to be this weird mega story where time's bleeding together. All you had to do was, like, time's going backwards. Wave Rider, ex- Monarch is going out there and trying to become a time, like, almost like a Time Lord. And in turn, he empowers himself, becomes extant, and he is the villain. And he wants to now recreate the universe by destroying all time and going backwards, starting from the uh, future to the past, crunching it down, and then creates a duplicate of himself, and then forward to make a big crunch to re- change time. The fact that time in- was failing from past and future, and we never get to see it really crunch in the present until, like, towards the end, and even then it has no ramifications, that because they all just go to the beginning of time like they did in the original Crisis, you could have just done it from the beginning, trying to stop him going back in time to get to the, the origin of time. That could have been your story. And then Parallax showing up makes zero sense. He is the, he, this feels very much like what they did with Armageddon in 2001. And the fact that they, everyone kind of knew the villain and kind of knew the story kind of made DC do a heel turn and change the ending. That is awful. And I hate that. Parallax has zero motive to do what he's doing. Because he's just a bad guy now. And he wants to recreate, he feels like he's a justified and, and, and justified villain by doing what he's doing for the greater good. But that being said, him just showing up in this, you either make Extant slash Monarch the villain, or you make Parallax the villain. You can't make them both. And Time Trapper does nothing in this. The problem is, like, a lot of these side stories, like the Batgirl thing, or the, the look at Jason Todd, or or Metatron going to Dark Side, or the Legion of Superhero stuff, these were all things that you would then have read in their Zero Month issue, which I'm not spending $150 on an omnibus for a story that should just be self-contained. It's not well-written. It's not new reader-friendly. It's. I think this is a big misstep. I think the concepts are there, but they they just fall apart. And normally I try to do like a cool, like, hey, this is the good stuff, this is the bad stuff. Like I said, the cool stuff is that you clean up the history. The bad stuff is that this story is almost incoherent to follow. 
it doesn't make sense. Even on the breakdown stuff, I use the book in hand as I do the breakdown. Just so you can see kind of I'm looking at, I'm not just doing notes and going, oh, hey, this is what's going on. Because this book was too hard to do notes for. I think this book could do better if they simplified it just a little bit. Again, just keep it simple, stupid. You know, just keep that all together and keep it very easy. They don't, and it messes it all up. So, like I said at the top of the episode, we do rates, reviews, and breakdowns. Now for my rating. On a scale of 1 to 5, 5 being the best and 1 being the worst, so far, this is a 2. I don't think I'll ever rate something as a 1. Only because I don't think this book is utter trash as much as it sounds like I'm bashing this book because the concept is there. And it does lead into cool stuff posts if you continue to read DC in the 90s. But that being said, I'm trying to approach this book as a reader and as a crisis fan and as a comic book person as never reading things beforehand and post this. Because to be fair, I'm not going back and reading everything that happened in DC in the 90s to make this book make sense. So, that being said, it is a 2 on my scale of 1 to 5. I think this will be the lowest. But, at the end, I still have to read all these other books for this show. And I will be doing a big reading uh, episode at the end of all this to kind of capstone the series off. But, that being said, guys, uh, thanks for listening. I know it's not the best way to end this book, but it is Zero Hour. And, I, and my friends already know I don't like this book. But, again, check it out. If you really want to know why, definitely check it out. And I think, honestly, there is a omnibus coming out this year that, check it out. When the omnibus comes out, maybe you'll like it. Maybe that's what's going to make this book so much better. And I think, in my opinion, they should have just released it years ago, just as a couple of ser- trades. Um, but that being said, guys, thanks for listening. You can go pick up these bo- this, book at, this book at your local comic shop. Or you can check it out online at DC Infinite. You can read along and follow along with us at using the hashtag DC Crisis Adventures. Follow us on social media on Instagram at Android Amazing Podcast and on X at Android Amazing. Please don't forget to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. Next time, we will see you. We will be covering Infinite Crisis. Actually, one of my favorite stories of all time. Spoilers. And I will see you next time in the bleep. Bye, guys.